Flags on the play. Everyone's getting thrown out today. What's up, guys? And welcome to another episode of the Unsportsmanlike Conduct Podcast alongside my co-host, the man with the overlay to the NBA, Justin. What's up, Justin? How you feeling, bro? What's going on, bro? How's everybody doing? Glad we're back for another episode. Hope to give you a good show. Of course. I'm your moderator, Hector B. And we're here to bring you another great episode around the sports world. But before we get started, not to kind of delve into it, but we're already a week ahead of timing. And we've had a lot of things happen throughout the sports world. And going into next week, this this actually might be a whole new United States, Justin Boat. We're not going to get into that, bro. Um, uh, That's the funny thing. Um, Well, let's just keep to what we know. You feel me? But first things first, um, let's focus. Um, let's keep our focus on the square diamond. Um, I just wanted to say um, a huge congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers as they have finally achieved the pinnacle once again. And for the first time in 32 years, they are world champions. And before we get into it, though, I wanted to actually, I wanted to actually ask you, um, what was your reaction when you actually heard that it's been 32 years since the Dodgers actually won a World Series title. Well, I, first, I couldn't believe it because the uh, Dodgers is a really historical franchise and they have a really huge name. So you would think they've been successful at winning-wise, um, especially championships, like at least, I would say, 10, 15 years. But now that I look at it, um, they have been a great team, but they've always coming up short. So for them to come over the hump after 32 years, it's kind of a, it's kind of refreshing because um, the city of Los Angeles is, um, in general has had a successful season during this pandemic. You know, with the Lakers winning a championship and now um, that I just think it's um, a fine, uh, refreshing, and um, just congratulations to them for. You know, bringing back another title. I think, I believe this is their eighth or seventh one. No, you're right. Yeah, this is their eighth. Yeah, this is their eighth title, and uh, you know, it's just it's good to see them back on the at the top. Absolutely, I have to agree. Um, first things first, I also have to give a huge shout out to them because to actually think it's been 32 years since they've actually reached the top of the mountain is crazy. The last time yeah. that team that was a team that was um. That was a team that uh, actually had a roster featuring greats like Kirk Gibson, Oral Hershiser, and others. And to think that now this um, great group of players, Mookie Betts, um, Jock Peterson, um, and Clayton Kershaw, the Hall of Famer um, in the making, um, to finally reach the top of the mountain is obviously it's it's a huge it's a huge step, but it's something that had to happen because a lot of people were actually doubting Clayton Kershaw if he could actually win the big one. His Everyone knows his postseason track record. It's not one that he really wants anybody to really play, um, pay close attention to. But I have to give him credit because he hung in there. It's been one heck of a career so far. And to finally say he's World Series champion, I, I can only imagine how he's feeling. I'm really, like, proud of him. But another thing I wanted to tell you is that, you know, it just goes to show how hard it is to win just one title in one year. You know what I mean? Any title in a year. Um, because the Los Angeles Dodgers have, if not one of the highest, if not top two payrolls in baseball. And to me, their run started back up in 2000 and I would say eight when they made the NLCS against the Phillies. They were back in the postseason 
and they lost in back-to-back National League championships to them. That was almost 12 years ago. And ever since then, from the decade moving on forward till now, to the start of the new decade, um, they've been competitive. They've, I mean, the last four years, they've been in the NLCS. You know what I mean? Like, that's, um, besides last yeah. year, four of the last five years, they've been in the NLCS. So with a payroll that high, you would only think they have to, they have to at least trip upon a World Series title. You know what I mean? So for right. you, do you think that this is a lasting legacy for Clayton Kershaw, in your opinion? Um, I feel like for Kershaw, this is just a step in the stone for his resume. Um, I definitely, I definitely feel like you know he's been through a lot over the last couple of seasons. You know, everyone's criticized his postseason's efforts, and for him to finally step up and uh, now get a championship, I think it just adds to his resume, and he can finally, you know show the world you know I'm not only a great player I'm a champion now and I just feel like not only for him but the team now know they can rely on him and he did bring one home and they know the only way they was gonna win this uh world series is if he stepped up which he did and you just got to give hats off to him because he's been through so much but he did it and um congratulations to him Absolutely. I, I actually have to um, I have, I have to give kudos to the entire team. One of the most underrated and kind of quiet MVPs, he actually wound up winning um, actually the NL, NLCS MVP and World Series MVP deservingly was Kyle Seeger. He had one heck of a, of a World Series National League Championship Series and he had a great um, division series. He put that team on his back. It was his back that made things happen. I mean, he was and. On the flip side, on the defensive end, he was even more terrific. He was one of the one players, some of some of the few players that I could say, he's locked in this postseason. Nothing can phase him. He impressed yeah. me terrifically. I mean, it, it's been a while since somebody with that type of like poise has, has kind of like um, impressed me to that degree. But Kyle Seeger's um, attitude at the plate and also his defensive um, work on the field was incredible. Um, I also have to say, we have to focus on what happened in the World Series. It was one heck of a World Series, but I have to ask you, Justin, game six, you've got the Cy Younger winner of the American League from two years ago on the mound trying to get you to a game seven. And in the rational mind of the fan, everybody knows for the Tampa Bay Rays, who've had one heck of a, of a postseason, knocking out the, the, um, the um, Blue Jays in the wild card series, knocking out the Yankees in the ALDS and then taking the Houston Astros to seven games. I have to ask you, they have their Cy Young winner and their ace once again pitching and looking like the ace that he did in game two. And all of a sudden, Kevin Cash takes him out in the seventh and the floodgates open. Do you think that it was a mistake on his part to take out um, Snell the way that he did? Or was it also experience played a huge factor in that? Um, to answer your question, I feel like that's on the coach. You know, um, when you're in a game six, not only is it critical for you to have your best players out there because, you know, it's a winner, a go-home situation, technically, um, when you're down um, in the series. But when you, when you have a, a player like that who's been not only stepping up, 
for you being con- as consistent as he's been, and for you to like make that error during the game, especially when he was having a great game, I would say. Uh, I feel like that you just have to pin that on the coach, you know, like he cracked under pressure, if you ask me. And I feel like even though we know the Dodgers had a lot of experience on their end, um, you know, the, the, the Rays been relied on uh, talent that came from the youth. You know, they developed these young guys. Right. Um, they coached them up. And, you know, you have to trust those guys. You know, when you're in a situation, they got you so far. You have to put trust in your players. And he was one of those key players that I would say, you know, really delivered. And you you just had to trust them because, you know, it was win, it, win or go home. And uh, seventh inning, we know it's like mostly closeout innings. And, uh, yeah, I think he just really made a mistake. Hopefully he can adjust and uh, look back at this and, you know, never make this mistake again. Absolutely. You actually um, pointed something out before the show started when we were conversing and you said something really interesting. You said – you thought that the Dodgers were simply the best team all year. Their record going 43 and 17 during the regular season. And, you know, they get into the playoffs and they sweep through the first um, two rounds. So they were built different from, from the get-go. We knew how good the Dodgers were all year. And and we, we know how Vegas works, you know, with the bettings. Um, you know how that works. But Vegas had them getting to the World Series just like they had over in, in the American League. They had the Yankees making the World Series. So um, they got half of that right. But overall, a lot of people thought that the Dodgers were simply the best team in baseball. So before um, we move on um, to um, – before we move on, I just actually have to say, um, another sport I want to talk about discipline in the league is something that we have to talk about because it's, it's kind of like – it, you have to see it from a from a player's point of view, but you also have to see the wider point of view, and that's Justin Turner. That's a that's a Dodger who has helped this team and this organization for the past seven years, I, I believe, not going on eight, and he's been a critical part over at third in the success that the Dodgers have had. And it's only right that he had a chance to celebrate with his teammates, but during the seventh inning, he was taken out because of COVID. A COVID test came back, and it was revealed that. Justin Turner had the coronavirus. And when we saw after the celebration, we saw that he came back out with a mask on, but then during the celebration, he had it kind of half way on and he was celebrating with his teammates, putting his teammates yeah. at risk. And I remember somebody on TV, it was Yankees broadcast announcer, um, Michael Kay, who said, um, you know, I think it's, it's kind of reckless of him doing that because obviously we know what you're going through. We can't step into your shoes. We're not players. We don't know that feeling of finally winning it all. You know what I mean? And you're deserving of that moment. But there's a lot of things that people have wanted to do and couldn't because of situations that outreach their hands. You know what I mean? Like, they can't do anything yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. So I want to know how you feel about Justin Turner going out there and, you know, celebrating with his with his teammates, knowing that he's um, potentially spreading a disease that has killed already millions. Well, for me, I feel as if – I mean, he's – don't get me wrong. He's really wrong in the situation of, you know, um, doing what he did, putting down his mask, when even when he found out he was tested positive. But I felt like the league itself um, handled it poorly because 
if he all players should have be tested beforehand anyways before they even play the game. So for you guys to be right. late with the test, and he's worked so hard to get to this position for the first time in his career, really to actually have a chance of winning his first title, and you pull him during the game, which he participated in, um, you know, I feel like it's just, like, overwhelming for a, per- a person and, and any person to, know, ha- be in that situation, knowing that, you know, this is my chance, my, probably by, might be my only chance, because you never know, how, like you said earlier, uh, it's really hard to, to win this. And for him, I just felt, I felt sorry for him just because, you know, they, 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 they got on him right after this whole thing. He didn't even get to really, like, take in on the feeling of being a champion because of this situation. And I felt like it could have been honestly handled a bit better by both ends. But I just think, like, you just got to let the guy, you know, celebrate because he, he already participated well through the game so it was like who was that really affecting you know I mean he played already so I just feel like you know just let the man have his moment you know he's with his wife he's like his teammates are still like happy for him they're in the moment he's in the moment um you could deal with the consequences later so I feel like I think the MLB should have been aware of that and I think this guy should just cut gets cut some slack just a little bit but I think him taking down the mask was irresponsible just because, like, he could have celebrated with it on. So I think that's the only downfall I have for him. And, you know, I just I just hope in the future people realize you have to really take this coronavirus thing seriously because people have died and been affected by this. So I just want Justin Turner to, to not only, like, you know, think about others' harms, but, like, but I want the MLB to understand, like, where he's coming from, too, as a champion. Right, and, and you're absolutely right. Um awareness and also um responsibility it plays a key role in everything that we do in life and at the end of the day him as an athlete you know he's not exempt from that so i personally as a viewer and as a fan a fanatic um i can understand what he's going through i can't say i can put on the same cleats he can because he's an athlete but from the outside looking in you know it's bigger than us we are living in 2020 officially labeled as a year of the unknown so you have to go out of your way and also realize that everything that we do moving on forward is not just benefiting for obviously the human race and, and obviously us as a society, but it's bigger than us in the sense that we don't know what comes next. You know what I mean? So you have to take responsibility and go ahead and know what's best, not just for your team, but for everyone that you care for. And if that means putting people at risk, then you know better and you should put your mask on and, you know, just be aware of, of what you're doing. But you're absolutely right. right. I still do believe he had he had to have the chance to celebrate because it wouldn't be fair to him. I don't think anybody can can um disagree with that. You know, I actually even heard a rumor. Don't quote me on this. You know, I heard a rumor that they said that 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 the cops in um the ballpark were actually thinking about tasing him. Like if he got Wow. Yeah, like if he got if they actually confronted him and he got aggressive or he tried to get unreasonable that they would have used, you know, forceful um tactic and tried to and the only reason that they didn't do it is because well obviously family is there. So, I'm don't don't quote me on that, but I I've heard like people saying it, it it's gotten to that extent. Nobody's except, exempt from it. So, 
I mean, it's something for us to look out. I mean, it's been one heck of a season all around each um, of the major sports. But moving over to the gridiron, though. Justin, we now are through eight weeks of football. We've reached the midseason, and there's only one undefeated team left, the 7-0 and Pittsburgh Steelers, who overcame the Baltimore Ravens last Sunday. And I don't know. Well, how do you feel about the game, bro? Because Big Ben is doing it again. Like, my gosh. Uh, that game was really good. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I I had the Ravens winning this game cause just because they were home. Um, I believe. I blowout thought, or not? I, I wouldn't say blowout. I knew it would be a close game, you know, because they're both really great. You know, they were coming in. Ravens only had one loss. Um, Steelers were um, undefeated. So it was really a, a big anticipated game. So, and it's an AFC North divisional game, you know, that was for first place. So we knew, I knew it was going to be really intense. I knew it was going to be a lot of defense along with a lot of high power offense. Um, both teams are really respectable in the league right now. Um, Steelers are earning more respect just because they're being consistent. You know, Big Ben's came, came, came back from that injury last year. He's tearing it up. Um, his wide receivers are looking really good. Yeah, Claypool has been yeah. an um, re- like a revelation story. Oh yeah, for sure. Coming out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. As a rookie, like we didn't like we didn't anticipate him to be one of the top rookies this season. Um, even although he was a second round pick, um, you know we we expected a lot more other receivers in the first round to uh, step up, but he's take he's taking the torch from everyone, and I think like. You know, even when he had the game-winning touchdown for the Pittsburgh Steelers to put them up in the game, um, he's just been a really big help for Big Ben. And uh, he just put the offense on his shoulders. And I really feel like they found their new guy ever since losing A.B. They have Juju Smith, yes, but the duo of Juju Smith and um, Antonio Brown has now been switched over to Juju Smith and Claypool and I think that's the future and I think Big Ben now has a a serious contender with this team and could get a second title or possibly yeah no this will be his third title I'm so sorry I forgot he won two rings prior to the 2000s yeah but like but this is going to be his first time in a long time with a chance to really get a Super Bowl and uh, yeah commands to the Steelers Absolutely. I mean, one thing that we can both agree on is that the Pittsburgh Steelers in Big Ben's career, I mean, when he came into the league in 04 out of Miami of Ohio, um, one thing that we can both agree on is he's always had a great receiving core. Yeah. I'm yeah, talking yeah. From, from Hall of Fame wideouts like Heinz Ward all the way to a group including a rookie A.B. being backed up by Emmanuel Sanders and Mike Wallace. And then it always seems he always has great – um. Great receivers, just great hands. Eli Rogers, I remember a couple years ago, Redmond. Um, he's always had um receivers, and now this Canadian kid, Chase Claypool, the second round pick out of Notre Dame. I mean, he's been tearing it up. I mean, and and I was laughing because I saw on Twitter, he was like, he put up a tweet. I think it read, um, losing. Never heard of it. <laughs> um, so you know, you know the confidence is there. I was like, the kid knows what he's talking about, but it, it's it's not even arrogance or him being because you. I feel like he's he's. He's very like humble on the low. And I also feel like um he really, he really like puts the work in. Like this kid came out of nowhere. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, really? I just feel like 
the Steelers, they know how to draft. You know, they're 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 a team that knows what they want. They know, like you know, they know their style. They're they're true to themselves. Um, they rely on really good pass heavy offense. Um, they rely on great pass rushers, and they knew they needed a big body, um, on the outside for Big Ben and Chris Claypool, was that, and um, they just knew like, especially when they lost. Um, the star power that they did on offense, they knew they would have to draft well and not only do that, but do it quickly because Big Ben's prime relies on now. You know, there's no more waiting. You know, he's a bit on the Absolutely. older side. So I feel like they knew they had to go out and really get a, another weapon for him. And I'm just glad to see that Claypool, you know, he 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 got on board. And he didn't waste any time, especially it was more impressive. They didn't have any preseason this season because of COVID. So from day one in the regular season, he just been, he got straight to it. Um, him and uh, Big Ben's been connecting. And yeah, this is, that's the reason why they resulted in this 7-0 um, start. You also have to give great credit to Mike Tomlin, who's been, you know, a really consistent coach over this past decade. I feel like he's underappreciated. And uh, a lot oh, of reasons. Yes, yes. Yeah, he's very underappreciated. Even last year, like they they had a real close shot of making the postseason, even without Big Ben with backup quarterbacks. And that made me realize, wow, this guy's really a coach because although he lacked having a star at the quarterback position, he put his team in position to go out there compete and you know fight every week, and that now resulted to this season and now they're one win away from matching the season record they finished with last season and it's only eight weeks in it's really impressive oh beyond impressive you 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 just hit the nail on the coffin I, and you know you you actually referenced something um interesting but that's so right that i had to agree with when you said that mike tomlin's underappreciated um you know it's funny it's coming out of the own steelers timeline i don't know if you know this i think you do you know terry bradshaw the hall of fame quarterback for yeah. the steelers he actually, he's never been a believer of Mike Tomlin. And he said, he stated this publicly. Um, he's, he's always thought that Mike Tomlin was more of like the, the amp up coach. He's never really been an X's and O's coach. And I thought, right. um, you know, that's a, that's a different view and perspective on things, but I'm like, you got to also realize um, you may think it's a cop out, but no matter what, it's not so much just the resume that speaks for itself. Something's working in Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Right. Because yeah. He always has them competing, even when it looks like they might be blowing the season up and they might be actually tanking. And the Steelers right. rarely do that because, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, they can't. They won't allow it. I mean, not from the Roonies. That, that, they're not made out of that cloth. They want their yeah. team to compete in that city, period. They are the pinnacle sports um, team of that city in Pittsburgh. So they have to compete with a championship. I also like to answer that. I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, to answer that about Terry Bradshaw. Um, I just feel like he's in a different era, you know, like Tomlin, this is an era where you, like, state, you have, right. you have guys that's like relied on, you know, energy, you know, you know, fun coaches. And uh, Mike Tomlin fits that for these guys, you know, it's a social media era. And I think Terry Bradshaw, uh, although he's a great, don't get me wrong. He's a great quarterback. He's a hall of famer. You know, he's a legend in, in every way. Uh, Mike Tomlin's also a legend, and he has to understand that he's doing it his way. He's a Super Bowl champion, and you just have to you have to respect it, you know. Um, Mike Tomlin, 
also, I just realized um, the other day, I just saw um, he passed Tony Dungy for the most wins at, out of any African-American American. head coach. And that's, like, impressive itself, you know. So Mike Tomlin and all of this, that's why I say he's underrated because people look past those those stats because, you know, there's rarely any African-American coach as it is. And for him to be as good and consistent as he's been, I just feel like, you know, I will put him up in that pedestal with, like, you know, the Belichicks and, you know, the Bruce Arians of the, of the league, you know, those coaches. And I feel like, you know, Mike Tomlin just deserves way more credit than what he's been given. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you said it perfectly. I would have to also say, um, going back to what you said about Big Ben, I think it was almost pivotal that he came back. It was almost um, uh, a necessity that Big Ben could not hang it up yet because he also knew, yeah, he wants to go out his way, but he's such a, a team player in a sense that um, he also knew that the, the Pittsburgh Steelers could really suffer uh, for the next couple of years if he wasn't there. And that's yeah. not even putting him on a pedestal because he knew that his backup quarterbacks and Mason Rudolph and Joshua Dobbs, who he's kind of like perceived as the um, overseer um, of the future for the Pittsburgh Steelers at quarterback. We still don't know that, but he's mm -hmm. learned a lot from Big Ben and he's kind of seen as the guy who's going to replace Big Ben. And um, it doesn't look like they're, um, you know, QB one ready. So it was imperative that he came back and the, the way he's been playing, I mean, he's throwing the ball with ease. They're giving him enough time in the pocket to throw the ball and do what he wants. He still has his legs. We've always talked about how Big Ben, um, his mobility for the big guy he is in, out of the pocket has been always impressive. And um, right before we shift, um, going back to what you said about Mike Tomlin, yeah, I think, I think he's been underappreciated. Let's not forget, he was recruited out of, um, out of Minnesota as a young assistant in Minnesota. So – when he took over the head coaching job in 07, he was replacing a Hall of Fame coach in Bill Cowher. That's not yeah. easy. Everyone not was, easy. Uh, who is this kid? Because that's how they saw him. Even though he was, uh, he just, I think, turned like 30 when he took the job. People were like, who is this kid? Like, what is he? What is he about? Um, how is he actually going to manage this roster and actually manage now a prime Big Ben? It, can he actually get Big Ben to a Super Bowl? Can he actually? And he's shown he did. He did it in 07. They came up short. Um, he did it in 07. They they won it all. Um, sorry. Um, he, he he did it in 08. They won it all. Um, and then he got them back in 11. Um, with um against the Green Bay Packers. So yeah, um, that one, but... um, but yeah. Um, so it goes to show that Mike Tomlin. He's not, he, he's not here to play. He's never been the guy um, to play with. Um, he knows what he wants from his guys. He's, he does not take any, excuse my, my friends, any bullshit um, activity from his players. Nobody's exempt. You saw AB. He was the star of the show, but this guy's coming into camp on helicopters. He's, he's putting um, the personal um, training, uh, not training, he's putting the personal locker room um, talk from his head coach out on Facebook Live, can't have that. So um, it just goes to show that the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are for real. But um, what, who do you think are, are some of the Cinderella stories, um, Justin, and also who are some of the juggernauts you're looking at in the NFC and the AFC? Um, in the NFC, I would have to say 
Hmm, that's a good question. Um, NFC, I would say the Detroit Lions. Uh, you don't, you know, you never know with the Lions. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they're they're in it, but you don't really give them a chance. But they're in it, <laughs> and they win. And I think they're about four and three now. Yeah. So they're like they're up and down, but like they're 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 progressing every week, and you can see that that whatever they're working with is working to the extent. And uh, Matthew Stafford, I believe, still has it. Um, he's still playing at a top tier level. So you know, I give them that uh pedestal. If I also had to choose from the AFC, um, I would definitely say. Yeah, because this is a great question. Um, Miami, Miami Dolphins. Yeah, because uh, they just started to uh, um, for the first time in their first round draft pick. Um, right now they're four and three as well. Um, they're right in it with the uh, Buffalo Bills, who's at the top of the division right now. And you know they're competing. I mean, like they're they're really a half a game out of first place, and it's impressive to me because they're one of those teams that had the uh top five overall draft pick last year. Uh, people were laughing at them really, really much, and they overcame so much with a young group and a great young quarterback, Mantua, um, who came back from a major hip injury. And to see them competing, and not only competing for the division, but they could possibly make a a run in the playoffs or give uh pull an upset. So I feel like they're one of those teams too that you just can't sleep on. The Miami Dolphins, bro, you said it perfectly. They're going to give the Buffalo Bills a run for their money. That AFC East is going to come down to the wire between them because the Jets are officially out. They're, they're rebuilding. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're about to go through their fourth blow-up in, if not the last decade. Um, Trevor <laughs> Lawrence is looking like the story in New York. Um, we'll wait to see to find out. The New England Patriots, uh, the first time since 2007 when Brady went down with his knee injury, and they still made the playoffs under Matt Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this is the first time under the Bill Belichick era where they've lost actually back-to-back games the way that they actually have. And also, they're actually having a – they're really, like, having a bad season. Overall. Yeah, that's what it is. I, I mean, can't believe it. They're, they're trying their best to see what Cam can bring them. But they – Bill Belichick, to me, obviously, he's the best head coach of all time. I'm talking about he learned from his mistakes in, in Cleveland and became the coach that he is. But I think it's interesting because the narrative is, hmm, life without Brady. You know how that one goes. So it's really not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. So the, the way I look at it is it's back to the drawing board. Who do I get? One person even actually, if you yeah. I don't know if you've heard this, they actually told um a proposal, a proposed trade where they said, What if the Jets went like funny? in jet style and actually if the new england patriots brought them a truckload of picks and offered them if not for the first overall pick which looks like they're going to get it for trevor lawrence would you do it and i a lot of the times a lot of people would say you can't get get you can't get caught up in the rivalry that has been the jets and the patriots which hasn't really been a rivalry but the history there and i said personally they're right but i absolutely would not do it Knowing that the Patriots no. are flawed the way that they are, make them go out and find a quarterback. Don't let them – don't you be dumb enough to give your biggest enemy – It's like – it's like giving candy to a baby. It's like, come on. You're – that's like a Christmas gift if you give them that first round overall pick. I mean, 
Trevor Lawrence is a one in a generational talent. You know, he's had the highest um, scouting grades of Andrew Luck in 2012. Um, you know, we all know how good Andrew Luck was right. despite funny, the injury. And funny enough, I wasn't even big on Andrew Luck when he came out at Stanford because yeah. I thought – um, and part of my French, I thought he was goofy. Like I thought he, like I thought he was like goofy until he actually beat my Virginia Tech Hokies in the Orange Bowl. And then I saw him yeah. play and suit up for the Colts. I was like, no, this kid, this kid can throw the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I feel, feel like yeah, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, he's like on that level. You know, he's like, there's no one taking the number one spot from him. Like he has it under control and. I feel like when you put if you put Bill Belichick in that situation with a quarterback of his caliber, it's like getting a new Brady of the new era. You know what I'm saying? Just now that it's first overall. And, you know, he knows Bill Belichick. One thing he does know is quarterbacks. And once you put him with the right quarterback for his system, um, you know, it's going to be held. Like because I think his team like they lost about eight to nine players this season opting out for the covid Right, uh, key players too. Yeah, yeah, key players. So the fact that, you know, he could possibly get all nine players to return next season with a quarterback of Trevor Lawrence's caliber, easily that's another probably five, 10, 15 years of dominance, uh, laughing for the Jets. People will laugh at the Jets for that. And, yeah, Trevor Lawrence will possibly, like, have another Hall of Fame career um, passing Brady if things can go accordingly in New England, if he, if that was to ever happen, but the Jets can't be stupid. Don't ever do that. <laughs> Just don't for do sure, that. For sure. I think, I think when we look back at it, um, we're going to see, we're going to see a lot of things unfold in the next couple of months because it's just going to be interesting. We don't even know if we're going to get a Super Bowl in February. It might even be pushed up to March. We never know because um, it's, it's 2020 it's COVID year. And, Every now and then, um, even though we've kind of like we've made progress through COVID um, in the sports world, we don't get as many cases as we used to. Every now and then you'll hear like, oh, a game got postponed, but they'll make it up during the week. So that's the one credit I do give the NFL. They do not want to go against time. They don't want to postpone anything to the point where everything becomes scattered. So, you know what I mean? Um, It it, it has been impressive on the league's part. So I got to give them their kudos. But um. For, for me, I would probably say, like you said, the Lions are kind of like my Cinderella story, too. I think that they're going to be um, something to look at. Now, I'm not too sure if they're going to make the playoffs because it's just I want Matthew Stafford to actually have some playoff success. I've seen this kid and I look at Detroit and they deserve a playoff run. I think it would be so cool to see them um, go on a playoff run. They, he's paid his dues. And hey, um, he saw his best friend win the World Series. His best friend is Clayton <laughs> Kershaw. So um, yeah. I know that he he's his best friend could finally brag now and say, brother, I brought one home. You got to try to find a way to bring yours home. Like, make it happen. Yeah. At least appear in one because I know it's way tougher in your sport. But try to make it happen for real. Especially in the Lions world, you know. Oh, they, heck they've been yeah. bad for a long time. Heck yeah. Hell yeah. But um, moving on, um, I wanted to say um, we haven't had any COVID test. Um, we've had COVID testing throughout um, – all the weeks in the NFL, but um, I have to give a uh, big kudos to the NFL up until Wednesday. We didn't have any, any type of um, COVID outbreaks throughout the NFL. Ironically though, my team, the San Francisco 49ers, we got invaded with a couple of our players with COVID. Um, so we obviously um, pray that they get better. 
And um, we, we just hope that this disease, you know, somehow, some way just disappears because we want to get back to um, normal living. But moving over to um, the blacktop, the NBA. Justin, the NBA draft is coming up and all eyes are on LaMelo Ball. And a lot of other prospects, guys like James Wiseman and guys like Anthony Edwards. So with the NBA draft for the first time in history being in November, who's on your watch in this year's draft? Um, for me, it would be, uh, although we know the top three prospects, uh, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, and LaMelo Bull, um, we know those guys. So on my watch list, I would definitely have to give it to my boy from my favorite team in college, Cole Anthony, the go, because <laughs> he's one of those point guards from New York City, by the way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He, he very, he very, he could score at will. You know, he's like the baby Derrick Rose to me um, from the younger generation. Um, he came off an ACL injury, so people are pretty much doubting him right now. But I think he's one of those guys, like, you don't want to sleep on him. Um, he could easily, you know, be around, like, number 11, number 12 in the draft, something like what Clay Thompson, Donovan Mitchell, Tyler Hero, summer players like those who slipped down a little bit in the draft, fell to and uh, made storms into the league. I think he could be one of those guys. And, uh, yeah, if you look at – I'm also looking at the top three players. Um, my favorite one from that bunch would be Anthony Edwards, who I believe should be the first overall pick to Minnesota. I think he has all the tools to come in right away and uh, team up with Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell and just start – the, the new era in Minnesota and, you know, bring dominance because I feel like he's naturally gifted. You know, he has the body frame for the NBA, long range, uh, plays really great on defense. And, um, yeah, he's one of the shooting guards that's going to be the new face of the, ne the next generation. Great point, great point. I actually want to reference another player from that draft that's coming out. Um, we're going to talk about him a little bit later, Killian Hayes. But I wanted to actually ask you um, – you just pointed out something great. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves won the lottery, so you know they were feeling great. Um, D'Angelo Russell went against his um, last year teammate and Stephen Curry, and it was funny. They had that funny moment on ESPN um, trying to see who would win um, the lottery. But um, for you, um, Justin, do you think that um, landing the first overall pick and the likelihood of Anthony Edwards being that pick, do you think it entices Carl Anthony Towns to actually want to stay in Minnesota because funny thing, the funny thing about the NBA right now is a lot of the overlook um, stars, guys like Devin Booker and him, guys like Damian Lillard, it's looking like they're playing for losing franchises during their, their prime. And it looks like it's no way out. They're looking like guys who will never reach yeah. that pinnacle. So for a guy like Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota, do you think it entices him to want to stay there? Or do you think at some point, He's going to want to trade. Um, I believe Anthony Towns is in now and win now mode. Um, the Timberwolves know that. That's exactly why they acquired his friend, D'Angelo Russell. They knew to keep him happy, you have to bring not only talent around him, but someone he, he's familiar with. And uh, we all know D'Angelo Russell is one of those. Also, Devin Booker are both of their friends. So I feel like that would make the most sense to um to get those three on the same team because 
Um, not only would that would make them contenders, but it would bring chemistry right away. And I believe that um, Anthony Edwards, although he's a really great prospect, I feel like he w- it would take him more time to like prove himself. Devin Booker, though, well, we already know he's proven. You know, he's twenty; he just turned twenty-five years old, and he's been a dominant scorer since uh, after his sec- after his first season. He shot up from thirteen points average to about 20, 22, 23. and it's been up from there. And uh, we just seen how he performed in the bubble. So right now, he's just not; he's only getting better and better. So I feel like as all of them being so young and promising, why not get that duo? to come through and uh, I feel like it would be good not only for the city of Minnesota because they really need star power and they need like something to be excited about but I feel like it would be you know intriguing to see how how well those three players play in their primes on that same team and how far they could go that's a great point because with the twins continuously getting bounced in the division series the way they are I mean Minnesota got (laughs) to focus on something else and, you know, himself. what else but, yeah, hitting the um, blacktop and, and seeing um, in the association their, their team make it far again. I mean, this this isn't the KG days, but that's the point. This is a whole 15 years later now, and they're looking to start a new era. So, in your opinion, you're saying, why not, bro? You're saying ship Anthony Edwards, send him, and, and to you it's a no-brainer, right? It's like, it, it's yeah. another thing. If you can land a Devin Booker, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, definitely. It's a no-brainer for me. Um, I feel like it's a fair trade, not only for um, Phoenix and Minnesota, but it makes sense because for, for Phoenix, you wouldn't lose anything. You know, you, you, you might lose a great player in Devin Booker, but you just might bring in someone that's just as good as Devin Booker potentially and Anthony Edwards, and you fill him in right at this um, shooting guard spot. And he gets to work with and um, DeAndre Ayton, another promising big man. And you know Phoenix wouldn't have a setback of like five to ten years losing a player like Devin Booker. And for Devin Booker, you're now in a position where we can talk, you know, top five in the West because we all know how great the Western Conference is. But when you add someone like that with a player like D'Angelo Russell, not only are you getting a firepower in the backcourt, but you're giving Car Anthony Towns more time to, uh, you know, make more plays out of the post, you know, do pick and rolls. And it just becomes more easier for not only the head coach, but the entire team. And I think that both teams will flourish from that move. Oh, yeah. I, I would have to agree because if I know I can land a Devin Booker, then to me, he... I, not so much that he's transcendent, but he's one of the underrated stars of this league and future and could yeah. potentially be a future MVP in this league. I mean, he, him coming out of Kentucky, I mean, he, he dazzled me. I mean, I was like, who is this kid who can score at will the way that he does? And you pointed out perfectly. Look at what he did during the bubble. I mean, yeah. everybody knows that um, that people were, were just laughing, saying, well, the bubble MVP was Damian Lillard. What he did for yeah. that Portland Trail Blazers team was amazing, but Devin Booker had the Suns undefeated through the last, I believe it was eight games of of, of um yeah. the bubble. So what he did during that um that run was so impressive. I mean, he left the Phoenix Suns one win shy, where if Memphis or Portland lost, they were in. So I mean, it doesn't get more impressive than that. Um, he's already shown you what he can do. But I'd have to agree if I if I can get a guy who I believe I personally believe 
Devin Booker is a scorer. We know he's a shooting guard, but I think he can run point because the guard position to me oh, is yeah, the yeah, same yeah. thing. But we know there has to be somebody who can lead and pass the ball and, and assist um, other players, move up and be able to read the floor. That's what makes a difference. Somebody who can read the floor. So I believe he can, he can do that for another team. And speaking of which, like I referenced before, Justin, what's your opinion um, on Lonzo Ball? Um, not, not Lonzo Ball, but his younger brother, um, LaMelo, now um, entering the NBA draft, coming from overseas. Because speaking of which, the New York Knicks themselves, they have a lot of decisions to make. And they're finally looking to land their franchise um, point guard. And they want a young point guard. And they're looking at two guys, um, LaMelo and Killian. So what's your opinion on Killian Hayes coming from overseas as well as LaMelo? Um, Killian Hayes, uh, I've done my research on him. He's really good. Um, He's a left-handed point guard, you know, from um, playing in the French League. Uh, Not from France, but his um, his family, like, are in the Army and stuff. So they've been – Right, I believe he's Australian, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I think, no, German. He's I think he's German. Yeah, he's German. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so, but he's been traveling, you know, and um, he decided to play professional uh, basketball in France. Um, they say he's really, like, uh, a left-handed curry, uh, they say. They, like, he lights out for shooting. And, uh, you know, he spaces the floor really well. He's really tall. He's about 6'5". Um, so he gives you height presence um, at the point guard position, just like Lamella Ball. Um, and he's left-handed. You know, it's hard to guard those. You know, like James Harden, for example. So I feel like, you know, he can bring, you know, firepower to the offense, the New York Knicks, who desperately needs a point guard who can score because they made a mistake with the Frank Nelikina pick, who also is a French uh, player himself, but he's more of a pass-first guy. They need a guy that can own not only run the floor, but he's more aggressive scoring. And I feel like that's where the Knicks messed up then. But if they can pick a guy like that now, they can make up for that. And it would also help Frank Nelikina's confidence to have another French player on the team he can relate to. And, uh, you know, someone you just make it comfortable because he could come off the bench and still give you about, you know, six, seven assists a game. So I think it would be a good uh, asset to the team if picking uh, Nelikina and Hayes at uh, number eight. But if we're talking LaMelo Ball and we're rolling that dice, you know, his father, LeVar, you know, he's really eager for him to be a part of the Knicks. I think the Knicks can also do that as a plan B if they want to trade up. Um, and, yeah, I mean, LaMelo Ball is a great addition. You know, he's going to bring in fans. You know, he's going to bring in uh, a lot of hype. And he's going to bring in talent. You know, you know, he's really talented. You know, he's a gifted player, scorer at will. You know, he's a great passer, great vision. He needs to work on defense. But uh, I think that will come along with his upside. And I think that the Knicks, either way, if they get one of those two prospects, they're in the stepping stone of the right direction. Great point, great point. I, I also have to agree with you with what you said, the versatility of the left-handed Killian Hayes. I think that that could be a big presence. I also believe, like you said, um, him, um, Frank, Tic- um, Frank um, Ticalina, he, he's the backup point guard. Yeah, and sure. it's, it's like somebody said perfectly, if he can be like a Patrick Beverly and step his game up to that level, yeah. at least 75 get aggressive. to 80% That's all he needs of to do. that. Get aggressive. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If he can be a defensive right, if he if he can somehow go two-way, give me 10, 
and be that aggressive on defense, you could have a career, kid. Yeah. Like, you could have a great career. Um, and it's like you said, we can't also overshadow LaMelo coming um, to the Garden. I mean, that would be, that would be a big um, presence. A lot of fans would come out to see it. I could already see the ball jerseys in the stands. Um, I also want to also kind of like focus and elaborate on the fact that, you know, um, his father, LaVar, kind of almost like kind of trying to bring it into existence and him being so um, controlling of that situation. He, if he could, he would, um, you know, word it into magic. Like he had um, Lonzo going to LA and it did happen, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's kind of like, almost like it was going to happen that way one way or another so he didn't really talk it into right. existence but um yeah <laughs> i wanted to um say that um when i look at the knicks um they they obviously have a lot of holes but i look at it and what's your opinion on all these rumors going around chris paul coming to the garden because it now seems to me that they're going backwards instead of go, um, moving along um forward it's supposed to be a team led by young kids but they want to bring in the veteran Hall of Famer in the making. And you know that that's going to mean, that's going to mean they have to bring up and, and give up assets. So what's your opinion on that? Um, I feel like for Chris Paul, it would be a great addition for the Knicks um, because he knows how to work with young players. You know, he's really um, great at that. He proved it with um, OKC. Um, you know, wherever he's been, he's always been a winner. Um He's never been able to, to get over the hump as a champion, though. And it's not all his fault because of the injuries he's been through. But Chris Paul can definitely take a team in the East to the playoffs. And I feel like the Knicks want to be in the playoffs. Um, no one gave the OKC, Oklahoma City Thunder a shot to be in the playoffs. He gave them that, uh, that shot. And that definitely, you know, worked in his favor for this trade. But... I feel, you know, um, if he if he were to be a Nick, it would work, but it wouldn't be a, the right decision just because they're not a championship team. I feel like he would be like getting Milwaukee. into – right, right. Um, you said it perfectly. I mean, he should be looking at, at trying to end his championship aspirations with a playoff contending team like a Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, if they can find a way to – um, re-sign Giannis, which they should be able to because they have all the max in the world to do it. That's the luxury of playing in the NBA. It's not like in the MLB or in the NFL. Um, the, the team itself has a chance to match any offer and offer the same amount of money any other team can. So um, the way I look at it, Chris Paul should be looking to go to a con playoff contending team, not trying to rebuild in a team that is on the brink of kind of like we're not going to blow things up but we're in a rebuilding mode as it speaks you know what i mean he'd be probably teaching just rj barrett and mitchell robinson because those are the two guys that i see untouchable for the knicks and i don't see how um or why he would want to do that i mean he just did it with a more polished point guard in shea gilgis alexander but i don't yeah. see why he would want to come to new york even though it is new york um, I don't, we're not competing. So that would kind of be like, kind of, I don't know. It'd be a, a it'd be a waste move. of his time. I feel like it'd be a waste of his time. Cause he could probably uh, sneak them into like a seventh, eighth seed because 
you know, the East is not as competitive as the West. And, uh, you know, Chris Paul is capable of doing many things. You see, even bringing a team like OKC to the playoffs. But uh, I just feel like, you know, at this stage of his career, his age, um, you know, a championship, this championship or nothing because, you know, he's, he's getting up there in age. And uh, right now we're just looking at teams like Milwaukee Bucks, Lakers who need a point guard. And although the Lakers won a championship, who wouldn't want to add a guy like Chris Paul? You know what I'm saying? They could just bring more, you know, you know, chances for another championship. Now that you know teams like Stephen Curry is back on the Warriors, so you know it's going to be more competitive again. So I think like it gives them more of a fair shot to repeat with a guy like Chris Paul. So it would make sense for him to choose between the Lakers or the the Bucks because they're in a situation where they're in a win now mode, which he's looking forward to, and. Uh, I just think it was a win-win for Chris Paul and those two organizations. It's true. I mean, the offseason just started, so a lot of these transactions and a lot of these decisions are going to be made in the next couple of weeks as we await on what happens in the NBA. So we're going to find out what happens in the draft in a couple of weeks and what goes on in the association and free agency because it's underway. And um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be something that we have to look out for going into 2021. But switching over to the ice rink, Justin, I wanted to talk to you and actually ask you something interesting that I saw about um, the new neon green jerseys that the blackout, um, that are also kind of blackout um, jerseys that the Dallas Stars got going on. So what was your opinion on that? I think it's pretty dope. You know, this team, uh, they, they just came up a, a bad loss in the finals, Dandy Cups. And I feel like these jerseys, not only bring something new and uh you know more hype for the fan base, but uh it brings some it brings them something to look forward to in 2021, um to bounce back and bring the city of Dallas a championship. But the the jersey symbols, you know, you know, a, a start of a new era. You know, although like everything's been successful, we want to carry on the success we've had with something you know refreshing. And I think these jerseys, uh, you know, they, they symbolize that in many ways. So I think that it was, I think I like it. I, I would cop it myself, you know, if I, if I can. Oh, no, for real, for real. I, I, I loved looking at them. I thought they were beautiful, um, actually, jerseys. Um, yeah. But you're right. Um, in a sport that's competing with the, um, the three other um, major American sports in the MLB, the NHL, and the NBA, you know, they're often overlooked. So seeing something like that, it'll, it'll probably not just increase their revenue, but also it'll increase their popularity. A lot of people will become more interested in watching the sport, you know, because we, we, we live in a, in a, a generation that's run by fashion. It's still run yeah. by sports, but also entertainment. So, you know, seeing that type of unpopularity, um, people are going to want to put on hockey jerseys. We see Ranger Rangers and Devils jerseys every now and then here in the city, but it's good to see um, that they're trying to kind of almost in a sense, increase their, um, popularity and their marketing that way. So I thought it was a great idea by them. So I like the Dallas jerseys. Um, I'm not a big NHL fan myself, even though I know about the sport. But yeah, um, yeah I, I thought they were beautiful. And the Dallas Stars really came up with one there. Um, yeah, but before definitely. we go, Justin, I actually want to give a huge shout out to a couple of the um, podcasts that we've listened to over on SFC Radio. Some of our classmates also have great um, podcasts that you should um, 
tune in and listen to um, the Listen Closely um, podcast with um, Dylan and Mia. I heard a couple of um, minutes from them. And, you know, Dylan's got that that kind of ASMR voice. So, you know, he he probably um, delivers for um, his podcast. So I got to give you guys a huge kudos. Um, I also got to give um, a big shout out to the Wake Me Up When It's Over podcast with Anthony and Kayla. You guys are doing your thing. Really liked it. Also have to give huge um, feedback to um, the Not Your Average Critic podcast. I enjoyed oh, I the reviews. Yeah. Um, they were really good. And yeah, um, really good. and the other um podcast that that um are on SFC Radio. Um, what'd you think of them, Justin? Oh, I, I think they're really entertaining. Honestly, I feel like the chemistry is, is there with everyone, and um, I'm so proud of to see the progress they're making in such a um short period of time, especially with like you know the whole quarantine thing going. So. Everyone, although we're all distance from each other, you know, you can you can hear like everyone's having a good time, everyone's like you know enjoying this, and uh, this is what it's about. You know, enjoying, you know, what we do, and um, I feel like everyone. I just like I like to just tune into different stuff, you know, especially with the music podcasts. Like it teaches me, you know, more stuff that I'm I'm, I'm trying to learn on on that, you know, on that end besides hip hop, you know. Right. So I feel like them bringing like you know more news coverage for me uh, like you know i'm just learning every day learning listening to everyone's podcasts and i and pretty much enjoy it right and also right before um so just so i don't forget the everything relevant podcast is also really good the way they broke down um ariana grande's album and i thought that they oh, yeah, did a yeah. great job um so big yeah. shout out to them you girls did your thing and i have to give you guys a huge applause but yeah, we're, definitely. We're here to wrap up another episode of the Unsportsman Life um, podcast. We hope you enjoyed episode two, and we hope to hear you guys really soon. You can find us on SFC Radio and the website itself. This is Hector Boyce and my boy Justin. We're off. Thank you, guys.